Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Zach on Film. Joining us, the master, Steven Schleicher. Hello. Hey, and all the way over there is Matthew. Wait a minute. Hey, you're all the way he over gets, there. He gets the master and a full name and I get, hey, and also Matthew, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Start over. Nope, nope, we're going. Uh, this week we've moved on from Savage Steve Holland mm-hmm. to another... Uh, iconic director of American cinema, Richard Linklater. Yeah. With his, with his, I believe this would be his second film. I believe so. Of Dazed and Confused. What do you, what do you remember? Do you have any memories of the last day of, of school before summer school started? I was uh, trying to think about that earlier. The only thing I remember, yeah. two instances. One time I was like, you know, this must have been sophomore or junior, sophomore year. Yeah. And I was like, well, you know what? I'll just uh, start early and start cleaning out my locker early. So sure. like over the course of a week, I was like, Throwing trash out, throwing things away, getting books all ready to be turned in. And uh, so that way on the day that it was time to check out and everybody's supposed to clean out their lockers, I was like ready to go. Mm-hmm. And my, um, our uh, class sponsor was being a dick. Yeah. And he waited until he checked out everyone else before he got to me. So lame. Because he knew that I had been smart and was trying to get stuff done early. Why would you punish a student like that? Because, as I said, <laughs> uh, the only other thing I remember is um, we used to do like water balloon and water gun fights yeah, yeah. where we would drive around and try to soak each other in cars and whatnot. Oh, after school. After school. Oh, okay. Yeah, on that last day. Yeah. yeah. I feel like it's pretty common now for <laughs> schools to have like a water fun play day in the last day. Well, certainly in the grade school level. Yeah, well, day. grade school, I guess not in high school. Yeah. Matthew, do you You'll remember figure it out when you get to high school. No, I really don't. I don't. mean, that's... Yeah. Again, it was the 80s. I mean, the, the 80s were weird anyway. Um, I, I don't remember there being anything special about it, but it may just be my general sense of, hey, can I get away from all these jack wagons and, and get back to reading comics? So, yeah, the only... No, I, I, don't know, I don't know that we did anything like weird or special or particularly unusual. Yeah, we some of our friends it wasn't always the last day sometimes we when we would clean out our lockers we wouldn't keep we wouldn't just throw them away we'd mm. we'd take them out into a fire pit and burn everything all your stuff yeah just like oh, all the right. papers and stuff in our lockers yeah the last day of our senior year um you only had to do a half day as a senior because you right, had to practice right. graduation um but then the cooks we got a very special steak lunch from the cooks for our last Salisbury senior day. Steak. No, 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 real steak, man. Wow. Yeah, it was pretty it was pretty legit. For uh, the kids in uh, Texas though in this movie, things are a little mm-hmm. bit different for them. The freshmen or the middle schoolers who will be freshmen. Yeah. Uh get tortured. Get tortured. <laughs> yeah. On wonderful. both the male and the and the female side. So the the guys get uh, chased by Ben Affleck and right. spanked. Yeah. With a paddle. And then the girls have to do all sorts of uh, get doused in all sorts of gross stuff, and then get run through the through the car wash. Yeah, by Parker Posey. Yeah, yeah, that was really interesting because leading up to this, the would be senior guys, you know, initiating the new crop of freshmen coming into their high school, you see one of them like just drilling holes into a paddle, mm-hmm. and then uh, they all just scatter right at the end, chasing down all these junior high kids. So they can just uh, give them a, a nice welcome into the high school where your life is not going to be as fun as your butt's about ready to be. Um, what's the point of this movie? What's the point of Days yeah, and Confused? What's this movie about? You know, I've been thinking about that a lot because I watched it um, just this weekend. And, you know, I don't know if it's just like 
everything going on in America right now and who we have to watch all the time and just general this stuff. But I, I had like a great sadness at the end of this movie. Why is that? Of just having to watch most of these characters like pretend there's someone else and like try to find out who they are and are always just, you know, just pretending this whole time and trying to put up a front. And we see one character kind of crack. Um, oh, I was going to remember his name, but no, I don't. So I'm going to... Uh, Adam Goldberg's character, Mike, who is wearing like the red... He got the big poofy black hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and um, Yeah. He, his, his character kind of stamps at the end. And I think he's really obvious. And kind of when that happens, it, it made me rethink a lot of the characters and what their motivations were. And it, it, it just seemed to me... Um, that like a lot of kids were really not knowing who they wanted to be, and mm-hmm. um, it was kind of kind of put me in a bummer mood. I think this movie, which I don't think was what this movie was supposed to do, and maybe it was. I mean, you're, I, I don't think was. you're too far off. I mean, I think when you think about what high school is, and especially in the mm-hmm. '70s when you know it's not as politically correct maybe as it is today, where teachers look the other way when it's time for oh, the, sure. the seniors to kick your ass on the you know first or last day of school, yeah. And, um, you know, you kind of had to pretend to be somebody different. You had to, you had to pretend that you fit in with the group or Mm -hmm, else you were ostracized. And we kind of saw some of those themes in, um, the breakfast club. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, But I think it's a little bit more in your face here because you have an even greater diverse cast of, uh, cliques and Mm -hmm. people, you get, you know, the nerds, the jocks, the, the dweebs, all all, the breakfast club. The Breakfast Club was about uniting. It was a, it was about commonalities. This is about really thematically. This is about imaginary lines of demarcation, where your first day as a freshman, you earn your stripes by being beaten by the outgoing seniors who are going to go off and go to college or do whatever they do or you know hang around the bowling alley talking like this. But all of this, you know, you talk about the people pretending to be something they're not. It's all about those expectations, those you belong to this group now, and this is how this group has to act. This is not about the commonality so much as how, even though people have commonalities, they will go out of their way to belong to whatever group they, they want to belong to or to try and seem like they should belong. So in a, in a way, this is like sort of an inverse version of that Breakfast Club thing where rather than celebrate that we all came together and we think you're a fool for making us write an, an essay, mm-hmm. this is, you know, how we who are a bunch of individual kids are going to be smashed into the appropriate boxes and grow up and be adults with, with dead souls. Mm-hmm. That was depressing. Just describing that was depressing. I'm going to go take a nap. Yeah, there <laughs> there are some really nice things where you see um like mitch kind of navigate these waters mm-hmm. and it was really enjoyable to see because i think the great thing about the initiation that the incoming seniors you know male and female is that they kind of lay it on really hard on these incoming freshmen right right but there is this sense of one of us. Yeah, one, one of, of us, us. And we're going like, to yeah. do this one little thing, which like, right. not cool like in general, but that they were going to take care of them. And like Mitch becomes their friends, yeah. essentially, so, by the end of the movie. You know, the hazing is the big focus of the feature, right? And then yeah. some people not taking it well, other people just okay with it, and yeah. other people avoiding it completely. Um, you know, the what is the point of hazing? Are you asking me? Yes, I'm asking you. I mean, it, there's the sense of... 
um, like you go through this and you get to be in our thing. It's what we right, all right. do, a sh- right? Right. A shared experience, a shared yeah. uh, a negative experience most of the time. Yeah, most of the to time. To show I mean, that you, you know, you, you, they call it in in the wrestling business. They call it paying your dues. Mm-hmm. And if you show up and you're the new guy, sometimes you know you have to. You have to go through all sorts of hoops. It's just like any group. You come in, you can't immediately establish yourself as I'm a person who does this because that's not the way things is done. Basically, you by by participating in that ritual, whatever that would be, whether it be the beating or the waterboarding or whatever they do at your school, you go through that and you are basically saying, I am willing to be a part of the group and follow those group mores and and rules even if it means me getting beaten by ben affleck who failed high school for 17 years so basically you you are giving up a little something to be a part of that larger group and once again i'm depressed right it's it's that initiation it's that Mm -hmm. welcome thing you know you've made it through now you're part of our group and unfortunately what a lot of these characters discover uh, some of them have taken them four years of high school to figure it out. In the case of, as you said, um, Adam Goldberg and um, who's the who's the kid that's always high all the time? That's uh, not like uh, Slate. Yeah, that's not. Um, gosh, now I can't think of his name. Rory Cochran is his name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I can't remember his character's name. Ron Slater. Yeah. Slater. Slater. Yeah. yeah. The thing is, it takes them their entire school of, look, I'm I'm doing these things because I have to do them. What I really want to do is something else, whether mm-hmm. it be get high or uh, talk about the conspiracy theories or, or whatever it may be. And some of the people, uh, like Ben Affleck, realize that that's the, his peak moment, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he's such got a, such a small role in this, this film, um, but that's the peak moment. He'll never be able to relive any of that stuff again because it's over for him. And so for four years, it's been building up to this big point where he gets to be the big guy and bring the beat down onto the little kids like what happened probably to him when he was a freshman. Mm-hmm. The stoners are doing their stoner thing, just trying to get through without, you know, without failing. Some people are trying to hook up that they've probably been trying to hook up with all year. Uh, the freshmen now are told, hey, you will have this to look forward to when you are seniors. And I think what they all discover is being part of this group, going through this initiation isn't isn't all what it's cracked up to be. Look at look at the results. Look at Matthew McConaughey's character, who probably, like Ben Affleck's character, peaked as a senior in high school, and he can't get out of that mentality of, let's go uh, drink, let's go cruise for high school girls, let's go do these things. And so, yeah, when he says, you know, I keep getting older, but they're staying the same age, he's locked into that mentality. Mm-hmm. And, you, and from the um, young kids' uh, perspective... Um, What's his name? Jason. Uh, Mitch. Mitch. Yeah. For Mitch. Or Pink. Well, let's see. Pink here. is the football player that was going to be the yeah. quarterback. No, I'm talking about the, the young kid, the, young, the baseball young, young. player. Mitch. Mitch. Okay. Yeah. So when we look at Mitch and we see him just kind of figuring it out, he, he sees pretty early on that, man, this is nothing changes. Everybody's still messed up, even if you're part of this group. And so for this initiation thing, this hazing that's going on, it, for him, it's an empty night, even though he finds acceptance with people. He didn't have mm-hmm. to be hazed for that. He's just going to find these groups of people that he would gravitate to um, naturally over the course of his um, yeah. school year. So, but I, but I think Mitch had like the biggest and maybe maybe pink where he, he was kind of already against the coaches from the beginning. And, and then it was really mm-hmm. it was his his story arc was more about 
deciding who he, friends he was going to hang out with. Mm-hmm. You look at Mitch, and he was this really scared kid at the beginning, mm-hmm. and then he kind of just accepted what was going to happen to him. And then, I mean, he really came into his own, I thought, when he was, after he went and bought the beer, he's like, oh, wait, let's get Batman. Mm-hmm. You know, let's mm-hmm. pour some paint on him or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think at that moment, he realized, um, like, we don't have to, to just take this and roll over, like if we're all going to be in the same school and you're just going to be a jackass to everyone, then we're going to get you and you're going to look like a fool. And we're not going to hurt you, essentially, but we're going to hurt the thing that you care about, which is like your ego. And is, that, that, mm-hmm. that compelled him through the rest of the movie. So everybody knows that they're going to experience change. Mm-hmm. I don't or know. force change or change is going on. I don't know, but I, 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 think it, I think the thing about high school and, and some of the characters in this movie, um, like Pink's, football friends are mm-hmm. they see that change is possible but they're resistant to it because mm-hmm. they've been thrown along this path like we've been working this for our whole lives it's for we're going to win the championship even though they don't even realize that their friend doesn't even have that same goal mm-hmm. they're just trying to pull him along the same way and he's making the choice to change you know kind of his path and they're like well we're just going to be on the same thing yeah it's really it's really interesting because um, this movie came out, if I remember correctly, that's 93. 93. I think, um, what's, uh, what's the high school TV show? Um, say by the, no, 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 Freaks no, and no. Geeks. Freaks and Geeks. Uh, this is late nineties. Yeah, yeah. That's late nineties. Uh, it kind of follows the same, some of the same character arcs, but expanded out much bigger yeah. than, than what we're able to get in this. Yeah. There's even that yeah, weird, I haven't seen all Freaks and Geeks. Oh, you should. On one season. It's really good. But they have like that same age, like there's like mm-hmm. the really young high school kid and some of the older ones. So why? All, Go ahead, Matthew. There's only like twelve issues of Freaks and Geeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So why then? Does, why then does this need to take place in 1976? Um, that's a good mm-hmm. question. I think a lot of it has to do with, um, you know, we talked a lot about in we're looking at those '69 movies as this kind of turning point in America. And I think mm-hmm. we're looking at 76. Um, some of those things are still coming up because you still have a lot of the same political situations. And then um, you're looking at America being, you know, celebrating its bicentennial, which brings up a lot of these uh, American ideals and throwing in the face of this counterculture type high school kids that, you know, aren't gonna listen to their coaches because they're not gonna sign some, you know, statement some and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of it too is also based on link letters. Um, oh, I'm sure high school years because that's when yeah. he was in would be around in high school in sure. that time. But he would have been 16 and 76, so he would have been in the middle range. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is really kind of focusing on here's the young blood coming in, the old blood going out, and how is how is this transition? It's not very good, and mm-hmm. some of them are still reeling from everything that's going on in the nation and, and still trying to cope with, you know, probably more than likely their parents were the hippie generation, Mm. maybe not in Texas. Um, but a a lot of them may be (laughs) a lot more, uh, free minded than, than others. And now their parents are all straight laced because they had to grow up and Mm -hmm. become parents and do these things. And so they're gripping, they're trying to come to grips with that. They're also trying to come to grips with changing society. What does it mean to be a kid anymore? Uh, some of these kids, when did a Vietnam uh, wrap up? 75-ish. Yeah, so we're right after that. So some of these kids like Ben Affleck's character who hung around mm-hmm. for an extra year in high school, 
probably could have been drafted in the very final days of Vietnam. So, you know, there's that kind of weirdness that kind of is lurking in the background of this very, quote unquote, fun, happy, silly movie mm-hmm. of kids um, getting high on a on a Friday night. Well, and your your Rod Serling principle applies. Serling would take really heavy duty stuff and uh, Gene Roddenberry as well and cloak it in science fiction or horror. Mm-hmm. You can do the same thing. And we see this. We saw it in the 70s with Happy Days flashing back to the 50s. We see it with uh, almost contemporary to this movie, that 70s show flashing back to the 70s. You cloak it as a period piece. But the points that you're making are not points so much about 1976 mm-hmm. as using the trappings of 76 to hide your commentary about the world of 1993. And it's it's very successful. It's something we see over and over and over. And sometimes it's it works really well. And sometimes you get that 80s show, which didn't necessarily work so well. But you if you look, there is a grand tradition of movies and and television shows set about 20 years ago, partly because it can let someone like a Richard Linklater, you have your touchstones culturally, and you can make this into something that feels, you don't have, well, first of all, you don't have to argue with that. This doesn't feel modern enough, but it also gives you a chance to say, well, maybe when we talk about the uncertainty of a kid in 1976, getting past what's going on in Vietnam, you can use that to talk about a kid in 1993 getting past the anxiety of what might be happening in the Persian Gulf. So, Do, do you also think that um, this film might serve as kind of a bridging tool between kids of 1993 and the mm-hmm. parents who were kids in the 70s? I can say that that's definitely part of it. I, that's something that, in the best case scenario, you can look at and say – well, heck, if this is what kids were like when my parents were kids, then my parents were just like me when I was a teenager, which, you know, I use that all the time. My kid is is highly aware of the pop culture of 1984, 1985 when I was her age, mostly because that's kind of my touchstone for the world in a lot of ways. But mm-hmm. she's aware of that. And she's like, was it just like this when you were a kid? And I'm like, well, I was fatter than you. But yeah, yeah, it was so. I think that that's definitely, if it's not an intent on a conscious level, at least on some level, I think it's an intent by the filmmaker. Do you ever feel like there's too many character plots running through this? Because we get we have a lot of characters in there that are kind of whining around each other through you know like space and time, and they're not always very important. But there's a couple characters whose stories are more prominent than some of the other smaller bit characters. Oh yeah, definitely. This is- this is in that, um, oh God, what was that Lucas film? American Graffiti. American graffiti. This is in that, that American Graffiti vein where you'll see, you know, a lot of interconnected stories. And sometimes it works. I do think that there's a lot. I don't know that there's too much in this movie, but I also don't think that the creators handle them as well as the interlacing plots of like American Graffiti or the Hollywood Nights, which terrible movie but it has kind of that similar 18,000 people going and bouncing around and, and one weird night in Hollywood so well but I don't know about too many but definitely more than I think they could handle this is, is touted as a coming of age comedy film right mm-hmm. but it is very much different from Hollywood nights and it is really a lot different than you know like porkies mm-hmm. right 
<laughs> I don't know. There are a lot of parallels in here to what happens in the first Porky's movie. I don't know. This seems like much more. I mean, whereas Porky's and Hollywood Nights are more going for we need belly laughs and we need gross mm-hmm. out humor and we need, uh, you know, double entendre uh, jokes about people's names. Right. This one is more like, man, life sucks. Yeah. There are very This is an, an few... existential kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Very existential. Very few big outrageous laughs i mean i watched this by myself and i, I I'm, a, I'm still a pretty generous laugher when i watch things alone but th- this was more of a like a <laughs> kind of uh laughing movie for me than uh anything we've watched kind of recently this was not um a gut-busting laugh but a lot of interesting character yeah. um it play on screen instead of you know a joke this, a minute this is postmodern hollywood nights or kind of a deconstructed american graffiti in a way because it like you know, i've said it three times and i'll probably say it again before we're done when you talk about parts of this movie it's very melancholy very oh you know kind of a sadness that settles on you when you think about you know even that moment where they dump the paint on uh, Ben Affleck's head. I can't call him Batman. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Aubrey from Mallrats gets the paint dumped on his head. And that's a, that's a big, you know, meatballs, yay moment. That's a cute and fuzzy bunnies getting their comeuppance. But you feel bad for O'Banion when he flips out and leaves. It gets too real almost. And it kind of undermines that, that you know, that movie, that teenage movie win for lack of a better word, that what should be a big dramatic moment of, yay, our heroes triumphed over the evil mm-hmm. jerk face. But then you're like, oh, but look how upset O'Banion is. And well, look at this well, kid's life. But he's but he is upset because he's been waiting his whole high school career to get to the moment where he gets to haze these kids. Yep. Mm-hmm. And now yep. these kids are hazing him. And, and it's it really has yeah, shattered ruined his everything. world of of what what you're supposed to do after high school or what right. you're supposed to do as a senior. Yeah. Right, and there's they ruined everything. And and, and and that's also the great thing I think about high school movies that are, that are done well are they can hit on character types that you knew in high school. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. when they dump that stuff on his head, and you're like, oh, then that's like the last time we ever see those right. freshmen. Like they're gone. They get that right. moment of triumph, and they're like, oh, we're out of here. We're not ruining this night. Um, but he flips out so much. Like you know, that guy was like, he got what was coming for him, and he just, you know, just lost his mind, and then uh, drives over the grass with his like. like everyone saw mm-hmm. some dude flip out in high school, and then drive over the grass in some car. Yeah. And that, that's a thing. That's a thing. That the high schoolers yeah. do that. They drive over grass when they get mad. It's weird. Cut it. They cut donuts in your yard. Yeah, yeah, and so that I think that is the problem with this movie being really funny is that it almost gets those types of characters too spot on. Where it's like, oh, it's it's not even funny because like watching that guy freak out is just mm-hmm. like, especially now after you put some time after high school, it's like it's just sad. Right. Just watching him yeah. like his world crumble because some freshman like punk. Yeah. Him. He got to the point where he should have been the man on top and he wasn't. Mm-hmm. And to some degree, you know, we, we joke about this and I say this all the time that everything, you know, is wrong. Everything he had been promised 
wasn't true. And it's that moment where you're just like, oh, God, that sucks. I totally know that feeling. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you laugh, but then there's also a sense, an underlying it of too real, Richard Linklater, too real. It hurt my feelings. It did. Did you ever get the feeling that this was not, that this was not taking place in 76? I don't know. A lot of times I, when I, I watch this, I have a hard time placing 76. So. A lot of times when I watch this, I'm like, wow, this does not feel like 76 for oh, some reason. What does that? I don't know. I don't know if it's, if it's the look of the film, you know, if it's the artistic direction of the film, mm. if it is mm-hmm. the, the actor's. Uh, if it's the clothing, there's just something that feels off about 76 clothing in this movie. And, okay. it, and it feels like when I watch it, a lot of times when I watch it, it feels like, and again, this is a movie done on the cheap, mm-hmm. but it feels like I'm watching a movie done in the 90s. Yeah. When you mention that, uh-huh. especially the acting, it's like, oh, yeah, that feels, it. the acting feels weird 90s. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and that, that's definitely understandable. You kind of have. In some ways, when when you run into things like this, there are times where, for instance, it'll be like uh, it's Christmas in New York and Spider-Man's floating around. It it almost feels like what they call a topical reference. It's to give you that framework of this is why some things feel like they do. Mm -hmm. But in some ways, having that, you know, that 90s aspect, and I, I do agree with you guys, it's there. It feels less like a 70s movie than a 90s movie wearing a 70s hat. <laughs> I think that to some degree it, it, it does underline that message that people are alike all over. That, you know, your parents, man, your parents did the same things you did, man. And someday John Cusack is going to be like 60, man. And he's still going to be this eternal teenager, even though he's not in this movie. He was in the last two. Shut up. Okay. So, yeah, I... I can see it, but I don't know that it damages the movie, or at least it doesn't damage the movie as much as the almost complete lack of structure damages the movie experience <laughs> for me. Do you, you don't um, like, do you not like? Because this is another thing when you compare this to uh, Better Off Dead compared to um, One Crazy Summer is that mm-hmm. Dazed and Confused is a series of vignettes, mm-hmm. yeah, and not really a through story. Because let's go see what these kids are doing. Let's tell their funny bit about trying to get the uh, keg delivered. And then let's yeah. go and tell this funny story of the kids who are trying to get back on uh, the Ben Affleck character. And now mm-hmm. let's go follow the crazy old guy who's hitting on uh, high school girls. And how creepy right. is that? Let's follow his I, antics. I don't not love this, but as with, you know, when we talked about uh, One Crazy Summer, when we talked about uh, Better Off Dead. I fell on the other side of a sort of kind of competing movie. And again, it was a Cameron Crowe flick where I say, you know, what's what's better, One Crazy Summer or uh, Better Off Dead? I say, say anything. For me, the same year or like earlier the same year, Singles came out. And Cameron Crowe's Singles. Yeah, which is a very similar movie. And Singles has, no, you're thinking of uh, Reality Bites. Oh, yeah, yeah. Singles was Campbell Scott and the girl who looks just like Julia Roberts and Bridget Fonda. And they were, you know, out of high school. They were like early college age kids. But it was something that was marketed to that same because I was the target. You and I were the target audience for this movie and for that movie in 1993. We were 22. This is the movie we were supposed to see. 
I love singles so much that it kind of colors dazed and confused as me remembering it as the one I didn't like as much. So it's not that I don't like it. It's just not the one that I loved that year, if that makes sense. Um, I was, you know, pretty fine with the structure. I never felt like it was kind of jumping <laughs> back and forth too much mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if, if they just um, paced out the different segments right for me or if they were just throwing the characters in there at the right moment where that story had a had a a compelling beat that kind of jumped off of the last one and so we had this nice swish where we weren't like bouncing crazy around um that made it feel really jostled looking at each of the different characters but never really had the mm. sense that they weren't going on a path mm. for mm-hmm. forward right. through mm-hmm. the night for the characters it never felt to me like any character story was completely stalling out, that mm-hmm. they were all moving forward and kind of figuring out themselves in this one night. So, uh, I, I mean, f- for me, from that uh, standpoint, I thought they did fine because there was, um, in the main characters that we look at, or at least the ones that I can remember, I, I felt like there was enough development or mm-hmm. once they peaked, like they were gone the kids and Ben Affleck and some of the football players like they were gone <laughs> until we get to the very end um, where you get Pink's character and uh, you know and he kind of comes full circle or and makes his decision on what he's going to do with the rest of his life and moving or at least for the next year um, which was his big you know uh, right. conflict throughout the film he's not going to sign the pledge he's going to go see Aerosmith yeah Detroit Rock City! That's not Aerosmith. Um, have you ever plotted out a film? Have you ever watched a film and said, okay, this scene features these characters and what's going on in this scene and it lasts 10 minutes and then... No. You should try that sometime just to see how a film is structured and put one. together. Just to see how much... To, yeah, you can do it to see how much screen time is there. You can yeah, see it right. for um, how a scene is built up. Um, I was a forget what the YouTube channel they do this a lot, where they will go in and analyze a sequence, mm-hmm. and they went in and they analyzed um this movie that's like, um, what was the the drug movie that came out last year with the female drug enforcement officer? Oh, um, but they break down the scene and S- they're like Sicario, Sicario, yeah, yeah, and they break down the scene and they're like, okay, here's how this happens, here's how they draw out tension, mm-hmm. and it's like. Look how the director repeats this three times. Boom, boom, boom. And they break it down for you into that minute detail. But Mm -hmm. in this case, with Dazed and Confused, you could do it fairly easily just with a regular watch and just say, hey, here's scene one. Here's what's happening. Here's all the characters. It lasts 10 minutes. Then what happens next? Who are the characters there? And how how involved are they in this? And then you'll start seeing the through line of both our – of Mitch and Pink as they go through. And you'll see all these other characters – pop in and pop out for sometimes long periods of time that mm. you may not realize because of the way the story is structured. Mm. It's an interesting exercise. I've yeah. done it a couple of times with some Steven Spielberg films and it's mm. always amazing to just see how, how it's timed out and what shots were used and how long they were used and those kinds of things. Yeah. It would definitely be interesting with this because there are enough characters and plot lines that you're right. You're probably pink and Mitch are on the screen as much as I think they are 
with a few of the other characters taking up time. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, that would be interesting, especially for this one. And easily done because unlike Better Off Dead, Days and Confuse is on Netflix. <laughs> yeah, this, so is, this one's been, almost it. been on Netflix perpetually since, I don't know, 10 years maybe sure. since Netflix I can has been imagine. I mean, Richard Linklater, you know, he, he, he slips in a couple bucks every week or something. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure, yeah, because I remember last time I watched it was four or five years ago yeah. on Netflix. On the Netflix? So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, is, really, that a, is that a release thing? Is that like the company? Yeah. Who put this thing out? It. Oh, I don't know who put this Who put out? this movie out? Gramercy Pictures. I wonder if Gramercy has like some sort of insight. Yeah, they probably, they may have just had a long extended use rights yeah. of this film. I mean, the movie didn't do well in the box office. It only made like 8 well, million. Bucks. I mean, it made less than 8 million on a budget of uh, 8 million or 6 million. So oh, really? Barely, this is that big of a budget? Yeah, it's a super low budget, considering everybody that you see in here. Yeah, I, I guess there's a lot of characters. None of them are very big, though. Like, this is, well, but this I mean, is, uh, if you're looking at Affleck's, so like, second film. You've got Jason and, London, Joey Lauren Adams, Mila Jovovich, um, uh, Rory Cochran, Adam Goldberg, um, Sasha Jensen, uh, Marissa Rabisi. But aren't there a lot of these, like, first films for these people? Some of them are. Yeah. Really, yeah. Uh, but you think, then, where did they go from there? It's well, like, yeah. holy cow. Yeah. Yeah, it was and weird. Also Jason London. It was weird seeing Adam <laughs> yeah. Goldberg in this because I've only seen him in I think like one or two other films, like season like Saving Private Ryan, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. in this now, um, but the, the weird thing is the reason I really know who he is is because when Vine became really big at the beginning, he was doing a lot of really weird, interesting stuff on Vine, and like that's how I know Adam Goldberg is from his Vine yeah. account. Yeah, yeah. He's, but he's one of those guys who's been around and been in everything. Mm-hmm. And part of my problem is I don't recognize Adam Goldberg without a beard. Oh, yeah. So you'll see him in stuff and you'll be like, is that uh, okay? But yeah, he was even in like several episodes of Friends, mm-hmm. which is probably the year you were born or something. A couple after. Uh, I, I actually <laughs> didn't know. I mean, everyone makes such a big deal of Matthew McConaughey in this film. Right. I had no idea Ben Affleck was in this. Right, because Ben Affleck's character is in there for, I know, mean, like, like, yeah, for the like whole screen time. The movie's like, movie. it's like 102 minutes long, and he's in there for maybe 10 minutes. Yeah. Yeah, he's not in there very long. Which it just like was weird to me. I was like, well, that's a pretty big actor. At least someone would probably say something. But um, seeing well, this him- was before, this would be before- um, Yeah. Uh, Dogma, that'd be before yeah. Chasing Amy. This is before Goodwill Hunting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so pr- this is yeah, like this is, his. He, this no, is the he, character that Affleck played until uh, Kevin uh, Smith gave him the shot, right? In Chasing Amy, this is the jerk that Ben Affleck played in like his first twelve movies or something. No, it was really weird when because I saw like uh, Marissa Rabisi mm-hmm. is in this, who's also in. Chasing Amy, right? Um, which is what I know her from, and then Ben Affleck's in this, and I was mm-hmm. like, "Oh, he's in Chasing Amy." And then, yeah. well, then I know uh, Linklater is such a big influence on Smith. I'm like, "Oh, so he's just poaching the peeps." Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I know. Joey great. Lauren Adams is in this, yeah, and she was oh, Amy. She was in Chasing Amy. Who is? She's Alyssa. But he's uh, the one girl that she's gay and doesn't want to have an. an uh, no, I know who is she in this one. She's Simone at the end when they're driving off to get their tickets. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, so they're the in the same car together. That's yeah. weird. Yeah. And that's the thing. That's another thing that if you look at what Smith did, he cast them both against their type. Mm-hmm. And 
I'm not saying that Ben Affleck owes his career to Kevin Smith casting him against type. I'm just saying that Ben Affleck owes his career to Kevin Smith for casting him against type. You know what I'm saying? So that's fine. Yeah, it's such um, it's weird when you see these movies, um, especially at my age, and you know all these people from like really big films. And they're like, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. they go like, just like you like you, right? you go through their credits, I'm like this is they like this is Matthew McConaughey's first movie. Right. This is Ben Affleck's second movie, and all right. these other people. It's like so early in their career. Like if you cast this movie now, like the budget just went to like eighty million dollars right, on salary, right. yeah, just in salary. <laughs> School Ties was before this, and that was that had Affleck in it. Yeah, like, yeah. This is his like second thing. He did like a lot of TV stuff, mm-hmm. and then did School Ties, and he did this. I think he was in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah, briefly. Yeah, he's he's like basketball number five or something. Um, and now look where he is today, all because of Days and Confused. It, it, it truly is. Truly, truly is amazing. Truly um, for as uh, India. Pendant of this movie kind of gets to its its name for. I was you know I was pretty impressed with cinematography. I thought there was some really mm-hmm. like it was pretty standard. But what really was interesting to me is when he put the camera uh, in like in the pool hall when he was on like the foosball table or the pinball machine. He's like really uptight on mm-hmm. all that stuff. Like that was like that was interesting looking things that wasn't like typical for the rest of the film that I thought um, was done really well. Um, besides that, not too much, um, really non-standard type cinematography coming through this. I have a kind of a theory about that. All right. We were, we were talking about Kevin Smith and we're talking about Richard Linklater and Mm -hmm. you're talking about, you know, any of these other younger, younger directors at this time. And this is their first or second film. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if this is the case with all young directors, but it seems like I need to tell a story. Mm Mm-hmm. So I'm going to have a lot of dialogue and a lot of emotion and a lot of things that are going to come out. And the cinematography is second to the dialogue Mm -hmm. and which it probably should be because you're telling the story and then you have to use your tool to, you know, um, to craft that story, to bring it to life in an interesting way. But in this case, I think it's, I have a lot of things to say. Basic cinematography is going to be just fine. Oh yeah. I mean, that's like. Kevin Smith's mm-hmm. standard mm-hmm. until you get to like red state essentially. <laughs> right, right. 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 Yeah. Um, but where they are just, I mean, they're saying 20 words a minute and mm-hmm. just firing off all this dialogue and there's like no breaths between characters. They're all just spitting lines constantly, mm-hmm. which is how we all talk in the world and everything. Um, so it is, it is an interesting thing to look at because, um, but then it's, then it's interesting when, they make that transition because now I'm really interested to watch boyhood to see yeah. what he, especially because that movie took so long to make mm-hmm. and see right. what he did and how he's kind of changed. Cause that's not what we're watching next time. No, next time we're later. watching his most recent film. Oh, uh, right, right. Everybody right. wants some. Okay. Um, which you're going to look at this and you're going to see a lot of parallels between the two movies, but it's quite different. Okay. It's really they're really two different films, but kind of the same vibe. Okay. Um, and back to production, I will say, I think there's not always a huge difference in cinematography when you're looking at like an indie movie or like a medium budget movie. Like mm-hmm. cinematography, generally pretty same. I think what really comes down to a lot of indie stuff is audio and essential and really 
like a ADR at the end when you're throwing in extra dialogue that was recorded right, right, because right. there's a lot of that in this mm-hmm. and it's very obvious when they do it because like well that sounds like not anywhere near <laughs> what we're generally listening yeah. in this film and so I think production wise I mean that's the only thing that, and I think some of that and what we watched the last two weeks was Steve Holland's films mm-hmm. kind of suffer from that yeah, as well a lot of that, yeah. it's, it's so interesting in how much better that's got technology wise mm-hmm. because you they i mean you can look at the credits and they're everyone's still doing you know added dialogue at the end right and um it sounds so much better now than what they were capable of back then mm-hmm. yeah well and also too it's a mat uh matter of the budget oh yeah and yeah, again, yeah. but just a super huge low thing. super low budget yeah so yeah so Do you enjoy it um this isn't the first time you've seen this movie right? no no it is oh really okay. yeah yeah first time um yeah i did enjoy it it was just not the film i was expecting going in and i was really okay with that this time my expectations um weren't super high like when we um uh watched last week's film and i was let down a lot this just hit like a groove and i really dug it it wasn't um like over the top comedy it wasn't like absurdist comedy it was just this kind of depressing real life type of humor that kind of is day-to-day living um, with a lot of introspection thrown in cue, you know, Mm -hmm. junior high boys Mm -hmm. and uh, confused seniors on what they're going to do with their lives. 390 horsepower. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so how many times have you actually watched it, Stephen? I don't know, five or six times. Probably like every three years or so I'll watch it. So if it came out in 93... That'd be 93, 96. I didn't see it in 93, so 96, 99, 202. Yeah, so probably about half a dozen Five. times. Did you like watch it in theaters when it came out? No, or you no, ca- no, caught no. it later. No, I caught it later. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, when you're 22 uh, in Hayes, Kansas, um, this is like, not a movie that comes to Hayes, Kansas. No, no, no. They will no, run, just... they will run uh, Planet of the Apes, <laughs> the horrible uh, remake that they did with mm-hmm. uh, Marky Mark. They'll run that for, for, for three months solid. <laughs> At a time when you only have two theaters in town and two screens in town, they will run that for three months solid. Mm-hmm. No, Dazed and Confused people, did not come here. People wanted to see that. So did I, you, didn't, I didn't see it until it came out on DVD, so that'd probably be like 95, 96, somewhere around there, maybe uh, 97-ish. Okay. Is that kind of your story of watching this too, Matthew? Uh, I think Otter and I saw it on... VHS. Yeah, VHS uh, probably, yeah. After, not long after it came out, because I want to say that we saw it either like nearly immediately after or like right after we lived together, which would have been 1993, 1994, I think. Okay. So, yeah, again, it was one of those movies that you sometimes you get something and you're like, okay, I I'm fine with this. This is exactly a movie. This is this is that happened and and now it's done. I think I've I've sat down and watched it all the way through exactly twice. I saw it once uh, on on VHS and I saw it once for the show. I'll stop if it pops up on like cable. Yeah, it pops up on cable a lot. I think it ran on Comedy Central a lot. Yeah, either Comedy Central or TBS had it for a mm-hmm. while just all the time. But it's not necessarily a film that I think I would ever seek out. I don't think I'm ever going to say to myself, you know what I really need to do? 
I need to go watch Dazed and Confused. I think if, and, I think if you took out 15 minutes, this would be a much more solid story. I don't know what 15 yeah. minutes to take out, but I think you could drop a couple of characters and trim this by 15 minutes and get a good solid 90 minute feature. And it would be much better. But if you watch it on television, yeah. it's broke. It's, you know, it's a 102 minutes that's stretched out for 120 Forever. minutes. Yeah. So right. the story is like broken up by commercials all the time. And so it, it kind of loses something if you're watching it in broadcast, but if you mm-hmm. sit down to blow through it on Netflix or something, it's, it's not, it's not bad. It doesn't drag out too long. No, I didn't, I think, I didn't you're think right. so. I think if they, if they cut it just a bit, I mean, if you were just, and again, I don't even think there's anything necessarily that I would point out as this is dragging the whole mess down. I just feel like there's a, there's a more concise, more, more, not necessarily linear, but more structurally sound movie to be had in these pieces. And maybe that's not what Linklater wanted. And maybe, you know, he wanted to make sure that this was something that felt episodic and it felt, you know, kind of like, hey, here's a whole bunch of people and a whole bunch of stories. And well, he uh, does, I, lo- I loved American Graffiti and this is what I want. He does say that this is like his greatest hits of things he remembers from high school. Oh, right. Really? And, yeah. It makes sense. That's legit. I mean, that's a thing that, that people do. We do that all the time here. I can't remember things that we did in high school. <laughs> it, so um, what's next week's film called, Stephen? Next week's film is Dazed and Confused. And instead of incoming freshmen into high school, we're looking at incoming freshmen into college and the baseball team that he's doing at a Texas college in the 1980s. Like Wait, ten, literally 10 years later. What's it called? Everybody Wants Some. Okay, Everybody Wants yeah, Some. Everybody Wants Some. What did I say? Dazed and Confused. Oh, Dazed and Confused. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Everybody Wants Some. Sorry. I'm a little da- everybody <laughs> Wants to be Dazed and Confused. Yeah. Everybody, everybody wants, wants Some. And that just came out this year, right? Yeah. Well, uh, yes. Earlier this year. Last okay. Yeah, 2006. I believe it came out in, I want to say, uh, April in 2016. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. Wow. Okay. I haven't seen that. Um, did it did it like do anything well, or did like just go no. digital? Or did it... no, no, no. It had a ten million dollar budget. Yeah, uh, only made four point six million dollars in the no, box office. Great. Was like in and out in like Hold two weekends, the the and then it was oh. like off to home video or whatever. Mm. Which is odd because I think it is a. There's something about this film, but again, I and I don't want to spoil this, but sure. when you watch uh, Everybody Wants Some and compare it to Dazed and Confused, it's kind of like the same film. Uh, <gasps> one of those no! issues. But we'll look is and see how a director bad? improves uh, next time. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited to oh, continue watching our uh, Linklater spree. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's next week on the show. In the meantime, you can head over to Majorspoilers.com where you can find podcasts like this, but so many more. You can find Critical Hit, the Major Spoilers podcast, and Top 5 because everyone loves a list of podcasts you can listen to. Uh, while you're there over at Major Spoilers, you can click on the Amazon.com link where you could probably buy Days and Confused on Blu-ray. You could probably buy Everybody Wants Some and watch it in advance. Mm-hmm. Um, if you do that, a little bit of money will come back to Major Spoilers, but it's not going to cost you any extra because uh, that money will come back to us to help keep podcasts like this one on the air. But there's another way you can support Major Spoilers, and that's through the Patreon. That's right, patreon.com slash major spoilers. If you found some value or entertainment or you just love movies and you want to see this show continue, you can support us. And I would really appreciate your support by signing up at patreon.com slash major spoilers. The more you give, the more you get. Patreon.com slash major spoilers. And we'll see you next week on Zach on Film. This podcast is copyright 2016 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC.